You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at John chapter 16. We have been talking about how to recognize the voice of God. How to recognize the voice of God. God is talking to us all the time. And so often people, you know, they'll... they'll uh, particularly a new believer, it's, it's a strange thing to know. We read in the Bible how God spoke to people, and we have this understanding. This, this, in the beginning, I used to think, you know, God would actually appear, and you would hear His voice audibly. Each person, they would hear God speaking. And because we haven't heard that in the last number of years, ever since we've been born, no one ever said, you know, you don't hear booming voices in that room and in this room and you wonder, does God still speak? And for a long time, in, a, in religious circles, people would think that God doesn't actually talk anymore. And he used to do that in the old covenant, but not anymore. And yet Jesus says we have a new and a better covenant. We have a new and a better covenant. And if God was talking to his people under the old covenant, surely he's talking to us under the new covenant. And it's much more than just the written word of God. The written word of God is what's recorded of what God has said in times past. But God is still speaking to us all the time. And so maybe someone's given their life to Jesus and they're born again and wanting to serve God. And then they hear a Christian saying, and God told me and God led me and God showed me. And they think, I don't hear God. You know, I, I, all these other Christians, they all talk about God saying and God telling them, how come I don't hear? And we understand from the word of God, as we've already studied so far, this is part three today. I really want to encourage you to get the past messages if you missed them is that we find out from the word that Jesus says you do hear his voice, which means he must be talking. Look at John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Lift your hand and say, my Jesus said that I, as his sheep, hear his voice. Did Jesus say that? Did Jesus say you hear his voice? then how can I say I don't? So it's no longer I don't hear his voice because he says he does speak and I hear his voice. So if he says I hear his voice, I must be hearing it. So if I'm hearing it and I don't think I was hearing it, but I am hearing it, then obviously what I'm hearing I didn't know was him. I have to learn to recognize his voice. That's why we're talking about it in that way. It's not how to hear God's voice, it's how to recognize the voice. Because He is already talking to us. It's not like, now that you're Christian, you have to first learn to hear God, then He will start speaking to you. No, He's been talking all the time. The very fact that you are saved proves to me that you have already heard His voice. Because no one can get saved on their own, just because they decide to get saved. The Bible says, no one comes to the Father except He draws them. So God is always drawing people to Him. Then He arranges for intercessors to pray and intercede for you, to remove the veil and the scale. The Bible says, we were blinded by Satan from seeing the gospel. All of us, before we were saved. And so because someone was praying... That blindness was removed so that God could breathe in our heart, you're my child. And you heard that and you said, I believe. 
Now, you may not have realized you'd heard God's voice, but the fact that you gave your life to Jesus, you responded to something. It may have been an invitation by the pastor, but how you know, I know for myself, I sat in many altar calls and forced my hand down. Never mind, put it up. It was, I am not doing this. How have you been there? So it wasn't because the, the altar call that caught me was done by a certain pastor in a certain way. No, it was God had wooed me, had called me, and, 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 and brought me in. And hearing that, we responded. And so the very fact that you saved today says that you already responded to the voice of God. Say that the fact that I'm saved proves I've responded to the voice of God. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority. Say this, the Holy Spirit speaks. So if the Holy Spirit's speaking, it's evident that we will be hearing. So Jesus leads us and He speaks to us, Through the Holy Spirit. Say that. Jesus speaks to me through the Holy Spirit. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit is telling you what Jesus has said. And Jesus says what he says he got from the Father. So can you see the line of communication? Say this, I am hearing my Father speak. Because Jesus only says what the Father says. And the Holy Spirit reveals to me the things of Jesus. So say this. So therefore, I'm hearing the Father about my future. Isn't that exciting? You can know your future. God can reveal to you what you need to know. And so we've been having a look. How does this happen? And we heard some terminology come up in the Scriptures. We saw in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Say this, I am led by God. So what does led mean? It means that He's going ahead of you and you following. He knows where to take you. You stay close to Him. You will arrive where He wants you to be. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So that's what you've already experienced. You know that you're born again. There's no one that can take that from you. I could not talk you out of your salvation. And so if someone is spoken out of their salvation, it's because they have chosen to ignore the leading of God and listen to the voice of the enemy. Someone backslides, they've listened to the voice of Satan more than they've been listening to God. 
But someone that desires to stay and serve God, you have a foundation within you that says, I know that I know that I know that I know God loves me and I'm born again. And I, no one can take that from me. What's that? That's bearing witness. Everyone say bears witness. So here we see the Holy Spirit leads us. How does he do that? By bearing witness. And then we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and if you look at verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Everybody say spiritually discerned. So we're talking about a spiritual discernment that is referred to as bearing witness that will be so clear it can lead us. Everybody say spiritually discerned. And that's where we ended off last week. We know that when we talk about spiritually discerned, this is not the discerning of spirits and as the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. This is talking about the ability to discern, to be able to understand what God is saying. And so when we say spiritually discerned, it's not mentally discerned. It's not something that you will hear with your physical ears. Say this, the voice of my body is feeling. Remember we did that experiment. Those that weren't here, just touch someone next to you. Did you feel that? How many of you feel when you touch someone? That's your body. That's one way of speaking. So the, say that, the voice of my body is feeling. The voice of my mind is reason. Now, the voice of my spirit, say it, the voice of my spirit is intuition, a peace, a knowing, discerning. So we need to learn how to recognize that. How does that work? How does bearing witness work? Well, have a look at Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now that word rule in the original writing is in Greek. It's Strong's number 1018 for those that are taking notes. 1018. It is the Greek word brabio. Brabio. B-R-A-B-E-U. Oh, everyone say brabio. You speak Greek. It's all Greek to me. <laughs> what does brabio mean? To govern. To be an umpire. To decide, determine, to direct, to control, to rule. That's where the translator used the word rule. Let the peace of God rule. But notice the context, the, the, the meaning of the word. The one that I want to pull out there is to be an umpire. To be an umpire. It's a decision maker. It's what decides. Now, how many of you watch sport? You know in a sport they have an umpire or a referee or a judge. Now, what's the reason for the judge there? Do you notice the judge or the referee, or the umpire, they actually don't play the game. But they're in the game with you. If you notice, a referee will run wherever the players are. 
Why? Because they want to make sure the game keeps going. The, the players are making the decisions. They keep deciding, do we go left, do we go right? Do we throw, don't we throw? Do we dive, don't we dive? They are deciding all the time. Now, you know that that game is governed by certain rules. And those rules must be adhered to for the game to work. If you don't keep the rules, the game doesn't work. You can't have someone trying to play uh, soccer with rugby rules. Because you're the only guy trying to pick the ball up and you can't understand why the referee keeps blowing his whistle. You're playing soccer with rugby rules. So the referee, the referee is there to make sure everybody plays soccer so that the soccer game works. So what does he do? He monitors it. He watches it. He checks everybody, watches their attitudes, watch how they run, watch where they're keeping the rules. But you notice most of the time he just does nothing. He just runs around watching, watching, watching. But if someone violates or goes in the wrong direction, does something incorrect, what happens? He blows his whistle. And the moment he blows his whistle, do you notice a guy can be sprinting? When that whistle goes, he'll stop. He won't go any further. You can keep running and kick the ball in the, in, the, in, the, in the net and cheer. You're the only one cheering on the field because everybody else heard the whistle. That, that goal doesn't even count because the whistle went. The referee stopped the game. And the moment he stopped it, everybody's eyes went to the referee. What? And he has to say, over here, this was the wrong move. And he'll correct it, bring everyone back to that point. And from that moment on, he'll direct the game in the way it needs to go. And then what does he do? He blows his whistle and he steps out the way and off they go again. Now he's not involved anymore. Now I went into detail to explain that even though many of us know what it is because it's very, very, very similar the way the Holy Spirit leads us. It's not like God's going to step in and say, now I want you to get up at 7.05 tomorrow and then get into the white car and drive down to the mall. And, and Sometimes we do get clear instructions, but it's going to come over a process of time. But most of the time, when you're hearing God, it's as if the referee is watching you. You are playing the game. God calls you. You're saved. You're born again. And now you play. Now you're living the life of a Christian. And God is not making your every decision for you. You can decide if you want to wear the red or the blue top. It's entirely up to you. Now God can, if He needs you, you may be meeting someone today and He knows if you're wearing a blue top, they'll listen to you quicker than if you were wearing the red one. That can happen. Then you'll say, I want you to put on the blue top today. But not every day. God, which color today? God, which are you with me? No, he's saying, go ahead, live your life. Paint the house color you want to paint it. Buy the car you want. Live your life. You can play. Go ahead and enjoy. God's given you a mind to make decisions. Some people are too afraid to move because they haven't heard from God. Uh, young people particularly, we, we, we don't want to, look, because who's my husband? I won't move. That's not my husband. I can't go out, can't go out with that person. I can't go out with that person because it's not my wife. That's not my wife. Not my, God, who's my wife? Who's my wife? Who's my wife? God, who's my wife? Who's my wife? <laughs> Are you getting this? 
Because if we get stuck there, then even if your wife walked right past you, you'd say, who's my wife, who's my wife, who's my wife, who's my wife? And no. God, you have a desire, isn't that right? Within you is a desire. You know what you like. When I saw my wife, it was on a blind date. I met Janine on a blind date. And I wasn't even born again. But when the door opened, I knew. That door opened. I have met the woman of my dreams. That wasn't Holy Spirit and, and, and angels and organ music. God said, this is your wife. Did that happen? No. So, God gives you the ability to make decisions. There's a certain person you were attracted to. You, those that are married, you married your wife, your, your husband. Why? Because you were attracted to them. Wasn't God said this is your wife? Well, I don't really like her, but if God says he is, then. <laughs> is that what happened? No, it's the person you liked. You were attracted. So what's God saying? Live your life. I've blessed you with every blessing. I've given you a mind to think. I've given you feelings. You, you, live, you know, live your life. Make your decisions. Enjoy your life. But here's the thing. He has an end plan for you. He, has a, he says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you for a future and for a hope. And so there are certain critical life-changing decisions in life. So whether I buy this car or buy that car is irrelevant. But if I'm about to buy a car that has a defect in it and it could break and it could have an accident and my family would be killed if we were driving that car and I'm about to pay for it, the referee blows. He says, you've been making all your own decisions, but wait, you're about to play a bad move. And he blows the whistle. And as he blows that whistle, you stop. And what was that for? You're about to make a decision, but the referee blew his whistle. And so now I need to hear from the referee. What did I do wrong? What? And he'll say, no, I don't want you buying that car. Then I back off. I don't care how much I like that car. I don't care if it's my favorite color. And I've spent months visiting it on the showroom floor. And I've driven it. And it's mine. It's got my name on it. I don't care. If it's done, if the referee says no, we back off. We go back to our previous safe play. And we say, all right, Lord, I'm with you. And he blows the whistle. And you start again. But now you don't make that decision. He saved you from a bad decision. Amen. You understand that. So it's not, he didn't speak audibly. He didn't speak out loud. He's not trying to control my life. He's helping. He's saving. He's revealing to you your future. He, sometimes he'll tell you something to come and you don't even know. I, he, he may just say, don't take that car. I won't take it. Not even knowing the result would be my death. But I choose to trust him. So, what does that whistle sound like? 
Because here it says, let the peace of God rule. Let him be the umpire. Let him be the decision maker. So how do I hear the umpire? And he says yeah, let the peace of God rule. Everybody say peace. Now what is peace? Well, Isaiah 48 verse 22 says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. There is no peace for the wicked. In fact, that's confirmed in Isaiah 57 verse 21. Again, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. So that tells me if someone's unsaved, they don't have peace. So what is peace then? If the unsaved do not have peace, what is peace? Well, peace is that presence of God. And you will know, no one can actually teach you it or explain it. The best way I can do is in the natural. Before you were saved, you, how many of you look back on your unsaved life and think, I was walking around in a fog. <laughs> you realize, I mean, I had no idea what was what and what was up and what was down. We made decisions, did the best we can, but I don't know how I lived before I met Jesus. Well, we just kind of were, were, were fumbling through life. But once you're born again, and now that you're saved, you have received the Holy Spirit. And there is a peace that no one can explain. There's a rest. There's a comfort. There's a knowledge. I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I'm born again. God loves me. I'm a child of God. That's the peace. Now, if the peace is the referee, then what happens is, as I'm about to make a decision, that peace will cease. Because that's, that, that's now you're about to step outside of peace. What does that mean? It means you're going to feel, now I use that word very cautiously because it's not a body thing. When we hear feel, we think of feel, touch. No, it's an, it's an awareness. It's a hunch. All of a sudden, it's like I feel unsaved. The way I did before I was a Christian. That same fog. Suddenly there's that, mm, it's, it's, a, it's a grinding. It's a scratchy. It's a, I'm just using terms that maybe something registers with you. Suddenly there's, a, there's like, where's God almost? But he says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. But what is it? He's just blown the whistle. He, that peace has been removed. And the moment you step out of that and say, Father, I, I'm submitted to you, that peace will return. All of a sudden, you know, okay, when I go here, when I come here, good. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's that, write that down. That's, 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 that's probably the best definition. Everyone go, ugh. How do you know what means? Okay, Strong's number. So it's that knowledge. It's just an awareness. You call it a hunch, a feeling. It's not really a feeling. I don't want to use that term because it's an inward witness. It's just I know I was going to make a mistake. Yeah. Now that is in the realm of the spirit. That's not your mind. Sometimes you can feel that and wonder, why am I thinking that way? It's not thinking. It's just an awareness. Say this, my spirit, my spirit, the me, is in contact with the spirit realm. My soul 
is in contact with the mental realm, the emotional realm. My body is in contact with the physical realm. Say this, I live in three dimensions. Amen. How many of you recall the account of Mary when she was pregnant with Jesus? And she went to visit Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was pregnant with, the, with, with John. Remember that? And when Mary walked into the room, what happened? The baby leapt for joy. Elizabeth said, when you walked in, the baby leapt for joy. And it's for what is in Mary's womb, Jesus. Now, here's the thing. That baby in Elizabeth's womb had no sight at that time. Couldn't see. So how did that baby know Jesus walked into the room in his mother's womb, Mary? How did he know that? Because he didn't see him. He didn't touch him. He didn't feel him. He didn't even know who Mary is. He hadn't met his aunt yet. Isn't that right? He didn't know who John, he doesn't know what pregnancy is. All he knows is this dark, wet place. <laughs> and he hears a voice out there somewhere. Isn't that right? He didn't know anything else. So why did he leap with joy? He was in connection. He was in contact with the realm of the spirit. And he sensed spirit God in the room. He sensed it. He had no concept of God, but his spirit knew God. His natural mind didn't know, but his spirit man knew God. The other thing is joy. Everybody say joy. He didn't know happy or sad. Baby doesn't cry until it comes out the womb and it gets its first breath. It doesn't know happy or sad, yet joy was in his heart. Why? Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a result of circumstances. Happy is, is determined by your circumstances, happy or sad. But joy is within you all the time. That's why if someone's not happy and they're not depressed, it tells me they have not spent enough time in the presence of God. If someone's always angry and bitter and, and, and just off the edge or depressed, then that's because they haven't been spending time because joy is in their heart. But they've allowed circumstances to change their outlook. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And that baby, uncontaminated by pre-knowledge of what has been taught, uncontaminated by feelings or, or, or religion telling them a certain thing, that baby just knew God was in the room. And the result was left for joy. He, he felt it in his own spirit. His spirit came alive. That was that peace. And because of that peace, that, re that recognition, God is Yah. He leapt with joy. Are you getting this? Now, family of God, if you can understand that, I remember when we 
first came down to Cape Town to plant the church. Uh, Janine and I had been praying. We knew God had called us to plant the church in Cape Town. And so, I mean, the Cape is a huge area. I grew up down in Cape Town, and I met Janine in Johannesburg, moved up to be with her, and worked up there, got saved up there, served the Lord there. And then the Lord called us back to plant the church. So where do we plant it? Because, you know, it's a, it's, it's a huge city. And so we would come down every uh, Christmas and just drive down to bed. My father lived here uh, in Durbanville, and we used to go and stay with him and just hang out with friends and visit uh, Pastor Danny and Olga. They were all very close friends of ours. And we would spend time with them. And then over the years, this call got stronger. And so we got saved, and then the call came. And so we would come down and just scout around, just keep driving around and leaving God to show us where it is. And we were visiting the beach strand one day on the beach and then going driving back to Dunwall. As we were heading back to the end too, uh, Janine said, just keep going over the bridge. And so we drove over and where Lord Charles is, we turned right there, started going down. She said, this is where we called to plant the church. And I looked at her and said, yeah. <laughs> Let's suffer for Jesus. I mean, you know, I, I thought it would be somewhere, you know, where we, you know, where people are struggling, hurting, and you know, of course, everybody is, needs Jesus wherever they are. What I'm saying is, you know, this is who wouldn't want to stay. I mean, I believe I'm called to Hawaii, or, or you know, some said West is a beautiful place, and there's the there's the mountains and the valley. And I thought, no, sweetheart, that that's your flesh. Uh, we need to hear where Jesus wants us to be. And she said, no, this is Jesus. This is what I, I really have it in my heart. This is where it is. Uh, to cut the test me down, because I want to get to the part that I want to talk about in terms of what I've shared this morning, is over a period of time, those confirmations came in, and we were ready to come plant the church. We knew that it was Somerset West, but now we needed a building. And so we were going to come down on one of those holidays to come and scout out the area for a church building. And so in that prayer time again, we both of us are just praying, interceding, and trusting God. Uh, Janine again hears, she believes that it's a church building where a church has moved out of the building and the building's available for us to use. We don't have to convert anywhere. We don't have to change anything, build anything. The building's waiting for us. I said, well, hallelujah, that's good news. You know, she was right about the area, so she's right about the building. So <laughs> let's go ahead and do that. And so when we came down, uh, we were staying that time with uh, Pastor Danny and uh, Olga. We were living at their house. And they also were living out in just past the Cryfontaine area between Cryfontaine and Langeburg. And so we were staying there. And so we would go, get up. You know, every morning just pray and then go out here, come out here to see what we could find. And so we shared this with Pastor Danny saying, you know, that there's a church building that's empty. And he, he says, well, at the time his sister was dating a pastor of a church here in the area. And he says, I've been there. I don't really know of any churches that are moving around. And so I spoke also to my father. He's an estate agent at the time. And he said he knows of one church that they've just built a new building. And so that might be it. And so we found that new building. It was another church. And we asked around where their old building was and no one could tell us. 
And so we were driving town up and down through the roads, just looking around, finding are there any empty church buildings anywhere. And so eventually we ran out of day, and so we needed to get back home. And so Pastor Danny said, let me just take you to where uh, Pastor Rob's church is and uh, show you where they, they meet. And I said, great, let's go have a look. And so full gospel church in Drama Street. And so as we got on to, turned into drama, he says, just up the road, yeah, here it is. And as we got there, I turned left to go onto the property. And as I drove on the property, that leap of joy, that's what I was getting to describe. What I just read to you or spoke about from the Bible is I, I know what that feels like. Because as we drove on the property, it was like a, yes. It's just this leap of joy. It wasn't, I didn't hear a voice. I didn't hear God say, this is it. I, I just had this, this joy. I couldn't explain. I said, this is it. This is the building. And Pastor Danny said, yeah, but uh, uh, full gospel are here. I said, yeah, I, I understand you saying, but this is our building. And he says, well, you know, I know they're still here. And, you know, I don't know how that's going to happen. And we just had a little conversation around that. I said, oh, we got out the car. So I said, let's just go have a look. And so we looked in through the windows, and it, it was inhabited. You know, you could see that people have used it. There's, everything's still there, the sound system, everything. It's not like they've moved out. So I'm now, but I know this is our building. So I said, let's walk around. So we walked around, and we got to what was... It actually is the back door, but they were using it as the front door. So it's double doors at the back. And on their entrance door is a big sign saying, from this Sunday, the church will be meeting in the school hall. This building is empty on Sunday. This is our building. And so... Pastor Danny, he was part of the full gospel at the time, and he knew people, knew people. So we got hold of uh, the directors and everything. Said, you know, we first of all, we got hold of Pastor Rob, and they said, well, they've now they're going independent, and so as they go independent, they're going to go into the school hall, and so now that they're, they're giving the building back to full gospel, it's empty. So I called full gospel and spoke to the director at the time. And I said, I believe that's our building. He says, no, no, we're going to be putting a pastor in there. I said, okay, so when? So he didn't have, he said, do you have a pastor ready? No, I said, we'll look after the building until you have a pastor ready for it. And he, he ummed and awed a bit around it. They didn't really want to do it in the beginning. And so we went home, we kept praying, we trusting God. And right up to the last day, we were going to open the church in January. And this was in November. And we were supposed to find a building in that time. And now it was time for us to go home. And we hadn't yet found a building except this one. But I had no worries. There was a peace. We don't have to find a building. This is our building. My wife said so. <laughs> See the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Janine. She's one with the Father, and she hears the voice of God, and I had the joy to confirm it. I just knew that I knew. That is our building. And we had just a few hours to go before we were leaving, and the director called, 
And he said, they've now decided that we can have the building for a year. And he has the thing. They gave it to us for 600 rand a month. Oh, dear Jesus, now that is God. We don't have to worry about a building, chairs, nothing. All we need to do is find a sound system. That's the way to plant a church. Come on, give Jesus praise. Aren't you glad we hear the Holy Spirit? See, family of God, what was that? That was the peace of God ruling. I had the referee. As I stepped on, the referee said, go, go, go. This is yours. And so, thank God that we're able to hear that. I, we didn't have to ride around anymore, go and find any more buildings. God had revealed it in our hearts. It was a very, very similar account when we came here. Same thing. We'd been looking for a building to upgrade, to come here. And I had somebody phone, call me. They wanted to show me a property they want to invest in. Can we please meet at the Action Cricket Club? This is this building. And it still said Action Cricket Club on the front. I thought it was just a place to meet him. So he was late. I walked in. The place was empty. I just was interested to see what's this all about here. And as I walked into the building, the joy left him out. Bah! This is our building. Praise God. And so this person... He arrived eventually, and he came in through the door, and the sun was shining behind him, and like glare, and I thought, is that him? And I said, Jesus, or is it him? And he walked in, and as I saw him, I walked up to him. I had so much joy. I, I, when, when you have that joy, you can't explain it, man. I walked up and said, hey, listen, this is our building. And he looked disappointed. I said, what's the matter? He says, no, he wants to show me the building because he wants to invest in it and he wants to get my opinion on the building. I said, I don't have an opinion. I have God's opinion. He said, it's his building. Amen. And so the rest is history. Yeah, we are today. So family of God, what am I saying? Is be aware of that. Just be aware. God will lead you and he'll help you. If you feel the joy, if you not feel, again, sense. It's an inward expression. You sense the joy, then go for it. But the moment that joy stops, the moment you find that the lack of that peace is stop. Don't ignore it. Don't fight it. Don't think, I'm just being silly now. This is the right decision. That's a very dangerous place to be. Rather step back and find out what is God saying? What is the referee saying? Because you want to make sure that the peace of God rules in your heart. Amen. Did that help someone today? Oh, yeah. Come on, let's give Jesus praise for his word. Let's stand together. Just lay your hand on your heart. Say, today I've heard the word of God. That word has brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer, not a doubter. I'm a hearer of God's word. And as a hearer, I'm also a doer. The peace of God rules in my heart. I hear God's voice. He is my umpire. He's my referee. He's my judge. He knows when I'm successful. And he knows when I'm about to make a wrong decision. And he will always blow the whistle. I have that unction. I hear that unction. I hear his voice. I am sensitive. I discern. I'm able to read and understand what's happening in my heart. 
as I am in peace, I hear his voice. And that peace enables me to make the right decision in Jesus' name. Amen.